Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Chris Ford. Hello. Eddie Hinkle. Hey, everyone. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and we have a special guest this week, and that is Tracy Lee. Hi, thanks for having me. Are you stuck at home climbing the walls when you should be hanging out with the community at the latest conference to get canceled? Are you wondering where to hear your JavaScript heroes like Amy Knight and Douglas Crockford and Chris Heilman? After the cancellations, I decided to put on a JavaScript conference for you online. I invited my favorite folks from around the web and got them to come speak at an online event just for you. Go to jsremoteconf.com and check out our speakers and schedule. The conference is on May 14th and 15th. The call for proposals is open until March 31st. Come join us at an online conference that we guarantee will keep you safe and keep you informed. jsremoteconf.com. Now, real quick before we have Tracy introduce herself, Eddie, is this your first time? Yes, it is. So you want to just give people a quick rundown on who you are and then we'll let Tracy introduce herself? Sure, sounds great. So I have been working in Angular for the last five or six years. I currently manage a team that builds out a front end entirely in Angular with my company. So yeah, I'm all in on Angular the last minute. Many years haven't done anything else. So I love it. Cool. And Tracy, do you want to remind people who you are? We've had you on a couple of times, but... Sure. My name is Tracy. You can follow me on Twitter at LadyLeet, L-A-D-Y-L-E-E-T. I am a Google developer expert for Angular. I'm also a Microsoft MVP. I have a consultancy called this.labs where we focus a lot on mentorship and of course a lot of Angular, but we do everything else, React, React Native, Vue, Node, et cetera, et cetera. So very excited to be on and talk about Angular, especially after last week, finally Ivy's released. So excited. I know, right? It's so funny because everybody kept talking about IV and now we can actually port all of our apps to it and see what it does. Yeah. But then it's like, what do we do now? Then what? You know, it's I know. been like waiting on bated breath for what, a year or so. And, and it's been all everyone's talking about. And yeah, now it's yeah. like, okay. But there's plenty of other stuff to talk about. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, as we're looking at this, we're looking at version 9, IV. I keep seeing stuff about Scully. Uh, what are the things that you're excited about in this space? And then maybe we'll just go around the horn and see where everybody else is at. So last year, I was really excited about performance. I just felt like beginning of 2019 uh, in the Angular community, people really started to talk about performance, 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 right? And then, of course, you know, we have Ivy going on. And then, you know, that's taken a second. <laughs> But, you know, now that basically things have been released and, you know, with Scully as well, are is the community all of a sudden going to be really able to kind of maximize performance improvements, right? Like Angular going to become a very performance-heavy community. I don't know. Yeah, the, the Ivy stuff is definitely interesting in that arena as far as like the bundle sizes are supposed to get a lot smaller, it's supposed to run faster, it's supposed to be easier to debug. Sounds like a unicorn to me. <laughs> <laughs> but now you can use that unicorn. <laughs> yeah. It'll be quite nice, wouldn't it? Because we, like, one of the things that has been that a lot of people have taken umbrage with based since Angular 2 really is, is oh, well, you know, it's, it's so big and it's so slow. And, you know, we can say, yeah, but they're making improvements all the time. And, 
and it is getting faster. But now with with Ivy, like theoretically, we're looking at like actually legit knocking huge chunks off of like you know bundle sizes and and performance time. So actually, it might it might give us a chance in you know in Angular community to finally start saying actually you need to check your facts because we're not as slow as you think we are anymore. I still feel like you could, I mean, I, I, I've always felt like you could still do that in the Angular community if you, if you have the right people on the team, right? So it's like you have to be less of a performance expert to maximize the performance of Angular with Ivy versus I think but previously, you know, especially with consulting on with this dot, uh, you know, we've spent a lot of time just helping optimize Right, so bringing in our performance experts, but I think with Ivy now, it, it, it just makes it more. You know, the people can be performant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Performance <laughs> for all. <laughs> oh yeah, we should yeah. we should uh, trademark that. <laughs> yeah, I think I I really come down kind of in the same place that you're talking about, though, Tracy. Where it's I don't want to be an expert in performance, right? I just want to write mm-hmm. Angular and then have it work and have it work fast. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that that's one thing that I'm excited about is that the default tools as far as the CLI, um, you know, running on... I don't know if they switched the CLI over to Bazel yet, but, you know, you have all of those different pieces kind of coming together to make this, make it easier to get there, right? And then I can go tweak it if I really need to for some, something. Bazel's also been an interesting run, right? Like um, last year... I think a lot of people were talking about Basil, and people are still obviously talking about Basil. But I also feel like it's not something where I thought more of the Angular community would care, but it doesn't seem like you know it's not like oh oh now everything's Basil. Well, what do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot going on on our side of the app, a bunch of different modules and things like that. So we haven't investigated Basil yet because it would have been such a headache before, but we're definitely interested in investigating Bazel uh, with Angular 9 coming out and that being more of an option because definitely like build times and sizes and stuff like uh, we are constantly fighting the size of the app, how long it takes to build, especially because we have backend engineers who get frustrated because they're like, you know, the build takes forever. And, you know, a lot of it is all of our front end stuff building. Yeah, definitely being able to kind of let go of a little bit of that and kind of nail down what we want to do um, as far as using Bazel or just maybe, you know, Angular 9's optimizations put us in a place where we don't even have to worry about going down that side road like you talked about. So, yeah. You're Bazel curious. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Bazel, the way I see it is that if you kind of get it automatically through the CLI, and that's why I haven't paid much attention, right? Because I just, use the CLI when I'm doing Angular. If you kind of get it automatically, then you don't have to care. If you've deviated from the standard Webpack package at some point, then you might have to care if you want to switch and upgrade or update to Bazel. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. What is it exactly that Bazel is, is, is doing for us? Is it, it's just changing the build process. Is that right? You know, I mean, I've, I've heard stuff about it and I, it always kind of goes over my head. I never really fully comprehend what I've just read or listened to. Is this is to do with the build steps? Is that right? Yeah, basically, um, it's for the most part, Webpack works with plugins in order to do its work. And Bazel does as well, but it orchestrates a kind of a different level where it, it's hard for me to actually quantify and explain. But 
from what I've looked into and from what I understand, Bazel is what Google uses. And so where Webpack is very JavaScript focused, Bazel can reach out to other tools and do other things in other ways. You use it for multiple languages, right? Yeah. If you're using yeah. Java and C++ or Go or whatever, you can kind of like that whole one tool for everything. And right. then it's supposed to be opti- you know, optimizing and spitting up your builds and tests and supposedly more scalable and extensible and all the buzzwords of why you should choose <laughs> Basil. It seems like a lot of um, larger sort of bank organizations tend to be adopting it, at least from what I've seen. But I don't know, like when I when I heard so much about Basil and especially how closely, uh, you know, the core team, especially with Alex Eagle working on Basil as part of the Angular core team, I was like, oh man, Basil's the next thing. And I was totally ready to hop on that train. So I think it's funny because with Angular, right? Last year, I was like, all right or probably in the past two years, right? Ready to hop on schematics, ready to hop on elements, ready to hop on Ivy, ready to hop on Basil. You know, I've just been ready. And now that Ivy's out, I'm like, okay, what's next? What's going on? Where, where are we going to go next? <laughs> I don't know if you all share the same excitement as that for me, but... <laughs> no, for sure. I'm I'm pretty excited about everything that's coming out. I'm like excited and also slightly in fear um, because like with all of the improvements, for example, the template debugging improvements and things like that, like we do so many bad practices <laughs> on my team. And it's just like to upgrade to Angular 9, we're so excited for how much easier it's going to make building future stuff and catching things as we write them. But then cleaning up all the bad code we've written for the last couple of years is also slightly terrifying. So <laughs> it's kind of this mixture of excitement and fear all at the same time. That stuff's optional though, right? You can, there's like three different stages of how strict you can make it, right? So you can, you can ease yourself in and say, okay, well, we'll start off by just ignore all my bad stuff. And then, like, okay, just, just start looking at a few of my bad things. And then when you're ready to go full hardcore, you can just turn it on full strict mode and then, and then the, all the tears will flow and just ruin everyone's day. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that, that is definitely makes it easing in a little bit easier, for sure. Actually, I, I, I really like the look of that, that template stuff because the, the Angular HTML templates, I just I don't like spending too much time in them. Uh, especially like, you know, if when, you, when you come to do work in, 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 a, in, in a file that somebody else has, has written, like, it gives me so much fear going into some of those templates because they can get so messy and untidy. And I think it'd be really nice to have some of these new tools built in that is maybe going to safeguard me from, from all of those danger zones, you know, before I even get there. I think, I think it's going to be cool. This is the thing I love about Angular. And this is why I kind of fell in love with it in the first place was because, you know, I could be a junior developer and just get started and not know what was going on and, it all worked out because I could write code and be productive immediately. So I feel like Angular's, you know, has at least kept to their their sort of, you know, I don't know, first message or mantra or whatever you want to call it of, okay, just, you know, make it easy for everybody. Like we'll take care of all the things, you know, convention over configuration and uh, everybody will just be a better developer because we have the bar rules to do so. So that's really nice. I mean, I, I like that a lot. 
I think that's a, a nice thing about Angular in general is we chatted about this a couple of weeks ago on, on an episode, just the fact that, you know, the Angular team have totally got our backs and they are, it feels like they are, they nurture us and they're, they're putting out stuff to just make everyone's life easier. Just make, you know, Angular an even more pleasant place to be um, as opposed to just, you know, just throwing features at us left, right and center. Um, and I think anybody, that it's a good place to be. Has anyone played with Scully yet? No, I'd like to. Yeah, I've been wanting to jump on it, but uh, I committed to learning Vue lately. So <laughs> uh, it kind of took a back seat. It came out right, right after I made the commitment and I was like, oh, I want to go play with it. <laughs> the thing about Scully, so I, I, I was actually thinking this last weekend about Scully. And if I think about Gatsby, okay, what's the easiest thing I can do to just mess with this thing? Okay, make a blog. <laughs> right? But use Scully instead. But, you know, I think it's interesting kind of the performance enhancements or, per, sorry, performance improvements that Scully's making when people are starting to use Scully for a sort of larger enterprise systems as well. And I'm not as deep, deep into the Gatsby community, but like, I wonder if, like, is Gatsby also used for performance related stuff? Some and it's also used for the server side rendering end of things a lot. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, next JS. So, like, is Scully gonna just replace Universal? No more Universal, migrate to Scully, or maybe I've, I've been thinking about that because, yeah, a lot of the folks that I wind up talking to in the Angular or, or sorry, in the Reactor View communities, yeah, a lot of times they reach for something like uh, Next.js. You know, and then they just kind of build their app on top of it, and you can use a GraphQL API or what have you to, you know, once it's hydrated, make it work. Similar with the Vue community with Nuxt or Gridsum, they do the same kind of thing, and they really do use it as a stand-in in a lot of cases for server-side rendering. It's not a perfect substitute, though. So in a lot of cases, if you kind of have standard content or static content, then I could see, yeah, I could see people using Scully instead of going and, and figuring out server-side rendering. And then if they have special cases, then they would probably opt for something else. Do you think it would, it would replace Angular Universal, though? Because like the whole, you know, Angular is this complete package, isn't it? So it's cool that Scully does the, does the server-side rendering stuff for us, but Unless you are specifically looking for, and I mean, this, this, I might be completely going down the wrong track here, but unless you're specifically looking for, um, you know, to, to do static site generation, why, why would you bring in Scully to handle your, you know, your server side rendering when if you're just building a, an Angular application, it doesn't need to be, you know, generating static sites? And I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it would replace it. And I, I'm, I'm not. Uh, it's early days, I guess, on Scully, but I'm I'm just not sure whether people would go. Oh, okay, well, I need to use this extra tool for these bits, unless they, you know, specifically looking for, you know, the the things that Scully is designed to do, which is, you know, help you with Jamstack stuff and so and um, you know, static sites and things. So, yeah, I agree for the most part, but I have seen people put it to uses that aren't strictly speaking Jamstack to get around some of the limitations of having a having to hydrate your front end on a single page app. They can render a lot of the static stuff with Scully or something like it. And then, yeah, the rest of your app that has to be dynamic no matter what, that's where you pull in you know, the full-on framework and you might do some server-side rendering for the parts that matter. Never underestimate people's ability to use things in the way that they're not intended. <laughs> that's so true. Um, <laughs> I built a website on Jekyll, which it's grown way beyond that, like just my personal blog. But 
I wish Scully had existed at that point, but I ended up mutating Jekyll to the point that I was having like my server run Jekyll builds like dynamically when I had new content coming in the system that I wanted to share. So it was basically almost like caching it, but still being able to deliver static front ends. And until I started adding too much dynamic content to my blog, then it was, you know, my server was just constantly rebuilding. Yeah, so people always just kind of take things and start experimenting with them. So That reminds me of when I was uh, using Angular Material in the alpha days, and they said, what? Please stop. <laughs> but it's out there. <laughs> and it's one of those things where it's like, I don't have to figure out how to set this up as long as there's not a critical bug in it. Yeah. I have a question. Why do you guys think... And maybe it's just me and my little circle, but why isn't the Angular community more excited about things like machine learning and VR, AR stuff? Uh, That's a nice, easy question. (laughs) 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 Do you think think that that the community, I mean, obviously you do because you you just said it, but like, is it a specific Angular thing? Is there, are there, because I don't, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time in, in, all the you know other circles for different tech stacks and things, but I don't I don't hear many people going you know wild for you know AR and I think it's and, like a JavaScript thing maybe right yeah yeah I would agree with that that it's kind of more of a JavaScript thing because even like at my company like we've started looking into machine learning and stuff like that but it's not you know, the UI team is not the team I lead because we're kind of looking, we're like, well, what could we really do with machine learning? Probably not a whole lot. We can help funnel some data, you know, to a different team that's analyzing things on the back end and stuff. Um, It's not to say you can't use machine learning on the front end, but I feel like it's kind of a full stack thing. So I think if you end up in areas where you have just people who are doing front end dev work, then machine learning isn't as popular. But then if you've got full stack people, then it's more popular there. I think one other thing to consider is that a lot of times what we find is that we get a lot of adoption and a lot of interest on things once we really see the use case for it, right? And so you'll, you're just not seeing on the front end a lot of people doing a whole bunch with AI in particular with machine learning. And you can build the models, you can run it in TensorFlow.js, you can run it in the browser, it'll work. But nobody's really making the case because in a lot of cases, what you're doing is you're dealing with a giant data lake and you're pouring the information into your machine learning system and you're training it. And then you're gleaning some kind of information out of it or getting some kind of behavior out of it. And so, you know, the web browser just isn't an ideal place to do massive ML stuff. You can put the model in and have it do stuff later but training, it's all going to happen somewhere else. So that's one thing to think about. As far as VR and AR, honestly, I think we're just a one or two killer apps in the browser away from actually seeing that come out. But I think people need to see it first. I have seen some good um, web AR stuff. I know when Apple had their iPhone launch thing in back in September, and you know, suddenly the Apple websites, you know, you go to it and it's like, oh, come and look at the new iPhone. And I really I discovered that if you if you if you scroll through that website on your phone, they there's just a thing that says, Oh, see what the new iPhone looks like in AR. And you can actually do it in the browser um on your phone. You can basically put an iPhone on your desk and like properly go into it and have a look. And it was great. It's like just like going into the you know, into the Apple store to see it. And I, I saw that. 
and I was just, my mind was blown. I couldn't believe that that was in my browser. And I use an iPhone, so it was in Safari as well. So like, I was actually getting AR in Safari uh, on my phone. I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Are you freelancing or moonlighting? Or maybe you've thought about going out on your own. Every week, we have a group of developers at various stages of the freelancing journey on The Freelancer Show to talk about becoming better at freelancing. We also bring in experts to talk about marketing, SEO, and delivering high quality to clients. So if you're interested in going freelance or you are freelance, check it out at freelancershow.com. What do you all think is going to be like the next wave? So a few years ago, we saw Angular, React, Vue. Okay, we're all excited, you know, and we've been excited and then things have really stabilized, which is so nice because it's nice when technology stabilizes. But like, what's that next, what's that next magical star that we're going to <laughs> all uh, rally around? Within the web space in particular or just Yeah, general? within the web space. I really want it to be like, I really want web components to be more of a thing than they are. Like I just, when people started talking about web components in more detail a couple of years ago, I was, I was, you know, obviously already in the Angular space. I was, I was really excited about, cool, now we can just build vanilla components and it'll be like building Angular, but I don't need Angular if I don't want it. And I can just put my components anywhere I want, like components for you, components for me, components for everyone. And I just feel like web components is not turning out to be as much of a thing as I, as I would have liked it to be, but I, I, I hope it will be. What about with elements? Have you, did that satisfy your itch? Yeah, I mean, it's cool. I just, I mean, obviously it is, yeah, it's a good thing. I just, I like... Like I bought a book on on manning web components in in action. I think it was, and it's just I liked that book because it's just all about you don't need any level of framework or anything. You're just building your components, and it is just like using it's just like building Angular components. And I just I mean, don't get me wrong, I love using Angular, right? And I I, I happily use Angular every day. But just the idea of I don't need to. I wish it was more of a thing because I feel like that could that that could be the day when we don't need any frameworks anymore. We'll always need frameworks, <laughs> probably. I think but. it's quite difficult. I mean, you know, we do a lot of Polymer slash lit work <laughs> at this dot, surprisingly enough, and uh, it's it's like a constant battle, right? Like we have to spend a lot of time actually contributing back to the platform a lot of times to make our client stuff work. So we, we end up building like a lot of, you know, tooling for them. And then, you know, we'll open source it so that everybody else can use it. But I mean, I, I even remember my first time using, um, oh, what was I learning? I was learning Lit. And it's great and all. And, you know, especially when you have, you know, an expert sitting in front of you and, you know, I'm building my first thing and it's working and everything. But um, when the training wheels come off, like the doc, you know, the documentation is not as great, let's say, as something like Angular, where I can go in and I can, I can really actually figure out what the, what the heck is going on, right? So it was much more difficult after my first set of learning web components to take, take, take on the responsibility and become an expert myself. I, I think there's something interesting there with talking about native components and Angular elements. One thing I have, I haven't looked into Angular elements as much as I want to. It's been in the back of my mind, but I haven't carved out that time. But one kind of fear for me is if I like go into Angular and I spit out several Angular element components, um, one thing that's been going on in my mind is like, is that going to be performant 
are we loading parts of Angular into an Angular element, or is it actually just converting it into a generic web component? You know what I mean? Because if there is not a performance penalty, then I think that's the ideal. You can build it in what you're comfortable with. But I guess that's my fear is that there's a performance penalty going from Angular to Angular elements using the web components. Have you guys looked at I think that so at all? Counterintuitive, though, right? It's like web components make things faster. But just kidding. I haven't personally looked into the performance implications. Has anybody else? Yeah, I think I think uh, the last two things that we've talked about here, as far as like are people adopting, are people looking at? I wish people would use more web components, but the sales job on web components hasn't been done well enough to get people to actually go use them, right? Angular Elements is the same thing, right? And, and people have been asking these questions for a while. And I feel like we haven't really gotten a solid answer about that. Am I loading part of Angular? Is it going to cost me in performance or payload? I mean, it's, it's interesting just to see, even though we're talking about technology, we still have the same dumb people problems because nobody actually has a good answer for it, even though there probably is a good answer for it. Yeah, for sure. The part about technology is the people. Yeah, but the other thing that's also interesting is that a lot of times we get kind of wrapped around the performance axle. I mean, that's where people are all excited about Ivy. They're excited about Angular components. They see some options with Scully, you know, to make things fast or to make things small or to make things both. And in reality, you know, even over a slow connection, some of these apps are probably just fine as far as performance goes, right? But we get so worried about it that instead of measuring it one way or the other, we actually get really worried about it. And then it turns out that I wind up going and optimizing the wrong part of my app anyway because it's easy to optimize. And I'm not tackling the issues that actually are problems for people on a slow connection in you know second or third world countries or on my cell phone when I drive up the canyon or whatever. I kind of wish that like... I guess if I had to think about what I would like to see in Angular that would get me excited, and maybe this is like the social media sort of, I like bright, shiny things type person coming out, but I would love to see more on the animation stuff, right? Like Matias is such a master when it comes to Angular animations, but I've never felt like I've really been able to master that, like how beautiful it is, or like how do we make, you know, Angular applications prettier and like, you know, I don't know, but that would be so cool. Maybe I should focus on that, just like animating the crap. I mean, basically making a new GeoCities website out of Angular and animations. Oh, wow. That just sounds quite something. (laughs) (laughs) Bring your website back to 1999. <laughs> Before you said that, I was going to go set up a web or a Twitter handle that was Lady Leet Art. <laughs> that was actually when I when I first started development. That's like the first thing I did, right? Like, okay, marquee tag, blink tag. You can make it spin. I was so happy. <laughs> and the, the, the glory days of web mm-hmm. development. Mm-hmm. Is it- Somebody has made a GeoCities bootstrap theme. Have you seen that? It's it, if you haven't, oh. it's, it's the most fabulous thing on the internet. I will find a link <laughs> in the show notes. That sounds amazing. Are you talking about NeoCities? I don't know. Oh, here we go. Oh, right. Well, I'm I'm gonna paste this into the into the chat for everyone to see at their leisure. Somebody has basically made a website with Bootstrap and made it look like a website from the 90s. Just to, they were, I think their, their mission statement was, was to actually set out to prove that 
all bootstrap sites don't need to look the same, which is actually, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that. And I like, I like what he was trying to prove and I like the way that they did it. But yeah. It's slightly terrifying, I, know. <laughs> I have to say. Oh, the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've led us down a, down a tangent. <laughs> nope, it's all good. But as far as what things coalesce around next, it's, it's hard to know that. Especially since things really have stabilized and not just in Angular, but in all of the frameworks are more or less just refining what they already have. And I mean, in a lot of cases, a lot of folks are dealing with the data management stuff in in mobile apps. But I still feel like that they're still, I mean, we may see a few improvements here or there come in, you know, some novel things that make it better. But even that's not going to be, you know, the thing that, that changes. Yeah. I mean, GraphQL has definitely been quite interesting. I mean, I think that's definitely been one of the more useful products out there. Or not products, but technologies out there. Specs. <laughs> yeah, like in the front-end world, it's it's like, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm glad you mentioned GraphQL because I was just literally thinking that as when you before you said it. And the, I think part of the issue is, how can we possibly predict when some of this stuff is going to come? Like, how would you ever have predicted that something was going to come along that is just going to completely change the way that you do your APIs? Because we've been doing RESTful APIs the same way forever, right? Sure. Yeah. And then suddenly GraphQL is like, and it's like, what? It's, it's completely different. I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to know what the next thing is until someone just drops it in our laps and says, by the way, you know, now we don't need frameworks anymore because I've just built this new thing where you do all your programming in a SQL Server database or something, which uh, <laughs> kind of give myself nightmares, waking nightmares, just thinking about it. But like the the next thing will will just be something that we can't predict. I reckon that's my prediction. We can't predict it. There's um you know th- thinking about the web components thing. It's 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 interesting because you know is it is it actually like a marketing problem, right? I think um, a lot of the people who work on web components uh, can come off a little bit abrasive sometimes, uh, even though they're not as abrasive. Not on the internet. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes online, you know, it gets a little wild. And so, like, I wonder, like, what is you know what is the thing that's it's it's funny because then you go back to TC39, right? It's like, okay, you know, do you just need a really charismatic person who's going to come in and be like that web components champion that everybody actually listens to? Like, is technology really dependent on just people being able to sell the best to the right people? And, you know, I think some of the answer is yes, it totally is. So, yeah, I agree. Web components champion. <laughs> Honestly, if I had to guess, it's going to be one of the following. It's either going to be AI is going to revolutionize something that we are just not thinking about at all. And so it's going to be AI, but it's going to be AI into something else. Another thing that I could see is that we get around some of the social stigmas and security concerns and capabilities of an AR, VR, heads-up display kind of thing, kind of like Google Glass was, you know, but yeah, like I said, we get around some of those stigmas and some of the capabilities, make it run through your phone. So it's going to be a peripheral from the phone and it's going to change the fact, form factor of the phone too. Is, is kind of how I envision this, right? And so then at the end of the day, you wind up interacting with the world around you through the device in your pocket, but you don't have to pull it out anymore. And that, that will change the way we surf the web. It'll change the way we interact with 
pretty much everything we deal with on a day-to-day basis and it'll change the way we interact with each other. And if, if it's neither of those, then I honestly don't know. It's interesting because it's like, you know, thinking about the announcements, right? Like, are we, you know, are we, is this year for, you know, Microsoft Build and Google I.O. going to have some sort of eye-opening magical thing? I mean, I remember when Flutter came out and everybody went just ballistic. Oh, yeah. Flutter, right? So, but last year, I didn't really feel like there was, I mean, you know, maybe I just wasn't as involved, but last year, I didn't really feel like there was much hurrah or, you know, Nothing as big as when the Flutter release happened. I felt like when Flutter released, everything was Flutter. But Yeah, there were definitely a lot of people talking about it, right? Yeah. But it'll also be interesting, I think, just to see where adoption ends up, right? With some of these things. I honestly have no idea how much adoption Scully's going to get. It'll get a lot within the Angular community, I believe. Because it's something that's approachable for us. But you know, in the wider world, does it change the shape of how well Angular is adopted. I'm also wondering with some of these performance gains that we're getting from Ivy, you know, is is that the deciding factor that'll get, you know, people starting new apps to come over to Angular? I think that is such a community thing too. It's like, if I were to spend all my time talking about Scully and how easy it is and show people how to blog and write blog posts about it, I'll bet you that, you know, people beginning web development would get you know, would get more excited about it. But I think a lot mm-hmm. of it is also dependent on who's in the Angular community that's actually going to be leading this. And, you know, yeah. unfortunately, it is a community thing. <laughs> so we never know. That's definitely true. I mean, people are going to be more inclined to check it out that, yeah, have some Angular background. Yeah, I mean, do you think, to, to kind of to your point, Chuck, do, do you think that people come to React as a new thing because they came in via Gatsby? Because if, if that's the thing, then yeah, maybe people are going to come into Scully and then move into, you know, full adoption of, of Angular. But I, I don't know. I do know people who have like been in the Jekyll, Hugo world and then have moved to Gatsby um, with no React experience. So I definitely think that's a thing mm-hmm. where someone might be more comfortable in JavaScript and they want to do what Jekyll does, what Hugo does, but they want to do it in a comfortable environment because they kind of know JavaScript and they're willing to learn a framework, React or Angular, to be able to do that static site generation in JavaScript where they're comfortable. So I definitely think that that's a, a door inward. One other thing I'll add is that I've seen people come into the React community and then join the Gatsby community and that's where they land. And so I could see it going that way as well. Same with Next. So I think it just really boils down to, yeah, where people find that comfortable spot. The other thing is, is that some folks get forced into changing career direction, right? So they they come in doing Vue and then they wind up doing Angular. So there's a little bit of motion there as well that could be interesting one way or the other as far as just how things move around within the community itself, like the the wider web development community, I mean. That's true, actually. I mean, uh, you, you, you're right. Uh, with, with all of these new changes coming into Angular that makes it theoretically smaller and more performant and, and easier to use for, as we've said, non-performance experts, you might find that actually some companies might, I'm not saying like all of the startups are just going to ditch React and switch to Angular, but you know, you, you might find that people are saying, well, actually, maybe, maybe we're starting up a new project, maybe we'll try Angular because it's, it's no yeah. longer sort of this big bloated beast and so, yeah, you get you could get people just sort of being ushered into the community just because of that's what they're being told to use at work, right? So 
So yeah, yep. that's uh, that's interesting. Oh my god, the amount of energy you have to spend just talking about tech you're passionate about to get adoption is like amazing to me. I just think about all these things. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's so many blog posts that need to be written. There's so many of this. There's so many that. I think the key is everybody in the Angular community should just get excited and just, you know, if you're working on something, talk about it because that's what's going to get everyone excited about it. The other thing that I would add to that is go try this stuff, right? I mean, Ivy has promised about eight or nine improvements. Go try them. See if you're getting them. See what kind of an improvement it is for you. And then share it because I'd love to hear that, right? Go try out Scully and see, see, you know, see where it stands tall and see where it falls down and maybe need some kind of open source contribution or a plugin or something like that. Go check out Angular Elements and see what you can do with it. See how far you can push it. Go see if you can do web VR with Angular. And I think in that direction, I'm in a place where like sometimes adopting those things in my work is challenging because there's a lot of overhead. Like spin up a side project, some think of yeah. something, you know, make a section of my personal website into Angular so I can kind of play around with it and different things like that, I think is helpful. I think that's the hardest part about tech. It's figuring out what the heck you're going to build. And then not, you know, it's kind of like the other way around, right? Like these days, I really feel like I have nothing exciting I want to build on the side or I have too many things exciting I want to build on the side. So then I just think about the features I want to use. Like, oh, I really want to use elements or animations. And I'm thinking about a website I can build to do that. But then it just becomes a, a completely useless site versus, you know, if I have, if I start with a problem and then I build it, but then I'm not going to use the tech that I want to potentially use. So it's just this, it's like a constant battle, which, you know, lasts all weekend and then it's Sunday and then I don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Cool. Well, we've been chatting for a while. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or anything exciting that this dot is doing? Yeah, actually, we just um, launched this thing called opensourceforall.com. So I've talked about kind of our passion in helping, you know, underrepresented minorities in tech for quite some time on the internet. And uh, we just started this thing called opensourceforall.com. It's an initiative with StackBlitz. They gave us $20,000 mm -hmm. to basically help with the adoption of StackBlitz in open source projects. So if you have an open source project and you want your docs improved, we can do that. But the money actually goes to pay underrepresented folks to actually do the work. So it's a really nice kind of balance between, you know, a company trying to get what they want to get done, which is adoption, and uh, also actually being able to help people. So I love it. Yeah, I like the way that they set things up so that the incentives align, right? So it's, this is something we care about. This is something that benefits us. This is something that will also benefit the community. And so there's no reason why people wouldn't want to be involved. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, we're always... I, I can't tell you how many passion projects we have about just, you know, here at this dot, just trying to help underrepresented minorities somehow. We also have this thing called... We call it, we call it Women in Tech Wednesdays. So every month... Myself and Katarina, who's also on my team, we get together on a Zoom call and anybody can join and we just talk about things. That's something we're doing every month just to give, you know, an hour space for people to come hang out. And it's been really cool to see that because I think a lot of people who come in as mentees actually become the mentors on the call. So we have to do oh, much nice. less work, you know? And so it's just like building those new leaders within our community and, and, 
you know, giving voices where people feel like they can speak up is, is, is really awesome to watch. Cool. Early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer. If you're looking for a job or trying to figure out where you should go next, then check out my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. The book walks you through figuring out what you want, vetting companies that meet your criteria, meeting that company's employees, and getting them to recommend you for a job. Don't settle for whoever has listed their job on the job board. Go out and proactively find the job you'll love. Buy the book at devchat.tv slash job book. That's devchat.tv slash job book. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Eddie, you want to start us off with picks? Sure. I have two today. So one in the show notes, that uh, Angular blog, if you go down to the improved build errors section, you just have to look at the beauty of the screenshot that shows the errors um, you get in the templates. I mean, it's just for me to see from the top one to the second one. It just gets me super excited. So I think that is worth everything in Angular 9 is that improved error from uh, the template showing literally where it is and what it is. So that's one. Besides that, I am all into the CW superhero shows. And they just finished a mini series crossover between all of them called Crisis on Infinite Earths. And if anyone hasn't seen that, you have to just go watch it. Like It's, it's awesome. They literally grab uh, six CW TV shows and merge them all into one. And it's just awesome. Yeah, those are fun. I think Netflix did that with theirs. They actually had a series. I cannot remember the name of it, but yeah, they yeah, have the Defenders. The Marvel. Defenders, yep. Yeah. Not not that I watched any of those shows, but <laughs> it's it's always interesting to see, yeah, the interaction. Cause usually you get sometimes you get a team of heroes like X-Men, but a lot or Avengers. But then you know you have the individual storylines for each one. And so they they all go interact in different ways. And so it's fun to see it come together and go, okay, yeah. What you know, what if we got all these people with all these superpowers to come in and make things better or worse? Yeah. And sometimes yeah, that's their personalities. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and what's always interesting to me, uh, I'm gonna wax philosophical here for a minute, um, is that in a lot of ways the superpowers wind up either enhancing or driving the way that these people think and interact with others. It's it's always like this metaphor for us, right? So maybe you have an overemphasized characteristic of your personality. And it's interesting to see how that gets drawn out. But sometimes you don't see it until you have this sort of otherworldly example where they've just taken it all the way to the extreme. So anyway, end philosophy. Chris, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, I got a few picks. I will actually, I'll say, I was, uh, I also really love the those CW shows. I'm a, I'm a couple of seasons behind on on uh, on a few of them, so I haven't seen the crisis yet. But I'm, I am looking forward to it when I can find the time to catch up. Yeah, so I got a couple of picks. Um, here in the UK, we were getting absolutely hammered by a storm yesterday. Uh, absolutely nothing compared with what you good folks in the US have to contend with, but. Over here, if it rains the wrong way and we get a bit of wind, the whole country shuts down. So, uh, <laughs> so I was I was locked in. We were locked locked down yesterday, and um, my, I had a, a lovely day. I did. Uh, we have this lovely tradition in the UK called a Sunday roast, and so I was in the kitchen about nine o'clock preparing this lovely lunch for my family. And the, the reason why I like doing that is because it is the one meal one meal in a week where myself and my wife and my kids and we can all sit down and we can all eat the same thing at the same time 
And uh, that was really nice. So my pick is taking time to eat a nice meal with your family. Although my toddler was just like, yeah, let this chicken that you lovingly cooked, I'm just going to throw it on the floor so the cat can eat it. But um, <laughs> can't, can't pick and choose. Uh, and then in the afternoon yesterday, I spent some time with my favorite board game at the moment. It's called Arkham Horror 3rd Edition by Fantasy Flight Games. It's based on um, all the HP Lovecraft, Call of Cthulhu kind of stuff. I'm really into the sort of Lovecraftian Cthulhu kind of world. Board games, really good, really enjoy it. The thing I really like about it is uh, that it supports solo play because uh, I like playing board games with my wife. I like playing board games with my, my eldest son, but nobody is interested in playing this game with me. Uh, but I can play it by myself and it might sound a bit sad, but I had a lovely afternoon doing that. So that was my day yesterday. I'm also going to pick a conference I'm going to next month. And by the time this comes out, I expect it will be coming up pretty soon. And that is um, RxJS Live in London. I'm really looking forward to that conference. I really like Rx, so looking forward to going along to that. Hopefully learning some things. So yeah, that's my picks. Awesome. I'll throw a couple of them out for you as well. Um, so last week as we recorded, I wasn't... Qu- did, did I mention the Clean Coders podcast last week? Maybe I did. So I'm excited about that. I've also been just playing around with some other technologies. Um, like I said, I've been learning Vue. I'll, I, I'll put a link to my Vue live streaming uh, stuff. It's on Twitch and YouTube. I'm going to be picking up React Native here for the next little bit. I was going to do 100 Days of Vue, but I've, I've had some turnover with the hosts on React Native Radio. And so I kind of need to pick up my the slack there a little bit. So I'm going to be picking that up. And uh, yeah, I've been enjoying that. You can actually get templates for a lot of that stuff on ThemeForest, themeforest.net. So I'll put a referral link into the show notes for that. And then as far as anything else goes, I've been playing a game with my family a lot. It's uh, Legendary. It's a Marvel uh, deck building game. And it's it's pretty fun. You can't play it by yourself though. So... Uh, just to throw that out there. But we've been having fun with that. And the reason that I'm picking those two together is because... So essentially, when you set up, you have to decide which villains you're fighting, uh, who the mastermind is, what scheme they're trying to perpetrate, and all this stuff. So the way we've been doing is we pull one of each card out of each deck, and then you fan them out, and you you know, you know randomly choose. That just takes a lot of time, because then you've got to put all the other ones back. And so I'm going to build uh, basically a deck spinner for that in React Native and just see how that goes. So anyway... Fun stuff there. Tracy, do you have some things you want to shout out about? Yes. Actually, it was funny hearing Christopher talk about food because there's uh, one dish I learned about randomly, which is funeral potatoes, which apparently come out of Utah. And <laughs> It's a thing here. I don't know if it originated here. I don't know why it's like... Why, so funeral potatoes, it's basically this casserole with like hash browns and cream of chicken and sour cream mm-hmm. and cheese and whatever. Sounds delicious. I don't know why it's called funeral potatoes. But then I was looking up for some reason as well, Minnesotan dishes, which they have this thing called the tater tot hot dish, which is basically a casserole with tater tots on top. These are two things that I'm really excited about making at some point in the very near future. If you haven't heard of tater tot hot dishes or funeral potatoes, they're, I don't know, what would we call them very American things? Because to me, they just seem very American. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. Here we call them funeral potatoes because typically, at least in the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saint culture, 
if there's a funeral, then after the funeral, there's typically a luncheon that's provided by members of the church. Mm-hmm. And they usually serve those potatoes. But do they serve the potatoes because they're supposed to serve the potatoes? Or was it the other way around? Like I don't I don't know. But that's why we call them <laughs> funeral potatoes is because... And we make them for other stuff, right? Because they're really good. But yeah, it's kind of a traditional thing that we eat at funerals. So. And then uh, after Christopher was talking about the Sunday roast, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to make Yorkshire pudding. But I don't have milk, so I can't make them today. <laughs> you know, I've heard of Yorkshire pudding, but I've never actually seen Yorkshire pudding. I don't even know what it is. It's not lift chat. It's like a, it's like a batter. You make a batter. It's like a cake mix, basically. And then you pour it into kind of like a muffin tray. And then you bake it in the oven, which is how we cook everything in the UK. And it just sort of puffs up and makes this sort of crispy batter thing. Put gravy in it. And you can do a big one. And you put sausages in You put sausages in a dish and pour batter all over that and bake it. That's called a toad in a hole. And I have no idea why, because it doesn't look anything like a toad, but it's very nice. But it's like, uh, I would say it's kind of equivalent of, you know, when you think of pudding, you think of, I mean, you know, in the US, you think of something different, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like the English version of a biscuit, but definitely not a biscuit and not a dinner roll, but more delicious. <laughs> but it's like the same thing, right? It's like you have a dinner roll, you have a biscuit with your meal, you have like a Yorkshire pudding with your meal. Nice. Did I do that justice, Christopher? <laughs> I see. That sounds that sounds great. I'm I'm I kind of wish I'd done Yorkshire pudding, but I did chicken yesterday and tend to Yorkshire puddings with beef. So uh, Oh, you've got to just do Yorkshire puddings with everything. Right. <laughs> so three things for everybody to make this weekend. There we go. I'm looking at a recipe for these funeral potatoes. So I'll, I'll try that and you, you can try and make a toad in a hole. Yeah, if you if you want food inspiration, go check out Tracy's Instagram because she posts food that she's making or eating. And, and then I gain weight just by looking at my screen. <laughs> <laughs> just osmosis. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up. Uh, thanks for coming, Tracy. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, folks, we're going to wrap this one up. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, max out, everybody. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.